Crypto curious, keep an open mind, enjoy the conversation, and stay cryptocurrent. We all know there's a race to acquire more Bitcoin. Why not earn more with what you already have? With Tantra Labs app, you can put your Bitcoin to work with up to 12% interest backed in Bitcoin per year, currently the highest interest rate in the industry. So, how does it all work? First, go to tantralabs.io and follow the steps to sign up. Second, after approval, deposit as much or as little as you like. Third, sit back and watch your Bitcoin work for you at 12% interest back per year. Lock in your 12% now by signing up at tantralabs.io. Or you can click on the link in our show notes and on our website. All right, what's going on, everybody? My name is Stephen Miller. This is Richard Carthon. We're here for, for CryptoCurrent with another edition of Cryptocurrent Live, where we bring you our crypto commentary, a little bit of the news on the week, and dive into the things that we think that everybody needs to know a little bit more about so that we can all be a little bit more Cryptocurrent. So Richard, how are you this week? Doing well. Excited to be back for another Crypto Decrypted. We are decrypting something that I think is very important to me and everyone as we are all in the crypto space, which is mass adoption. So excited to talk more about that. You know, the markets on Tuesdays have just been, for the last like month, have been pretty brutal. Um, it's like we have this conversation Tuesday, everything kind of goes in a positive light. And then come Sunday, Monday, we start seeing things start to go back down to where we were a week ago. So, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful this will be a, a week that kind of starts moving in a, another direction. Don't know how realistic that is. I think we might do some retesting, but um, trying to stay optimistic. How about you, Steve? Well, I got to tell you, man, I think that Rectember is off to a great close. Um, it's living up to the living up to the hype for sure. Um, but I've got hope for October because to me, I think that right now we're finishing up this accumulation phase and we're about to jump into something a lot more fun. And that's a big uptrend. But for those of you that are uh, first time joining us, thanks for dropping in. We appreciate you being here. Please do us a solid. Hit the subscribe button. Make sure that you come back and see us every week. We have great new content here on Mondays and Thursdays with Richard, who hosts our interview show. And then also here on Tuesdays and Fridays at 7 p.m. Eastern, where we host Cryptocurrent Live. Um, we have a, a lot of great stuff on deck today. Buy, sell, or hodl, our news segment. Uh, we're going to, again, get into Crypto Decrypted. And then we've got blockchain bets to wrap it all up. So to start us off today, let's get into our first segment here for buy, sell, or hodl, Richard. Why don't you take us through what's been going on with um, food and retail services in crypto? All right. So for my boss, sell hodl news, uh, the first one that comes up, the one that I don't like to talk about a lot, but you can't ignore it anymore, Dogecoin. So you might be able to pay for your Taco Bell with Dogecoin. So a couple of things of why this is awesome um, in a lot of ways. If you want to get to millennials and Gen Zers, what better way than Taco Bell? Um, Taco Bell is jumping on that train and allowing you a way to soon be able to pay for your meal um, in some Dogecoin. Uh, what's also amazing is Whole Foods is going to uh, start allowing for Bitcoin transactions as well. So in a lot of ways, you're starting to see more and more of uh, these companies taking on cryptocurrency as 
payments, which I think is a longer term play for them because they can start putting these cryptos on their ledger, which in a lot of ways could help increase their overall revenue over time. Could also make it go down depending on timing of the market. But if it's a long term strategy, which I think a lot of corporations are looking at it as, as a way to bring in and and be able to take some of these uh, Dogecoins, Bitcoins, be able to hold them. And then whenever it gets to a more desirable um, price, they'd be able to sell it for profit and, you know, be in a good place. So everyone wins. Uh, now you can kind of start putting your Dogecoin uh, to, to use. Again, what is amazing about the concept of money, when you think about it at its core, is an exchange of value. You know, what makes a dollar bill valuable is the fact that our country recognizes and someone says this is valuable. Um, even though Dogecoin was made as a joke, as a meme coin, now it's being seen as valuable because it's being seen as a store of value. I mean, even you can go to like the Dallas Mavericks games and they take Doge um, as a form of payment. So, you know, it's, it's pretty incredible that more places are, are beginning to accept cryptocurrency as payments for food and other items. Uh, again, going into our bigger discussion around mass adoption, why this is good for um, that conversation. And I think it's, it's a really exciting time to be in this space and you can't deny that anymore. Like, not, not just like the fact that, yes, you can pay using Dogecoin in certain specific spots, but the fact that you were starting to see it creep into parts of our everyday life, I mean, that's got to be reassuring if you're just interested in the space. If you're embedded in it like you, know, you and I are, it's a lot easier to get really amped up about this type of stuff because this is the first step into what we're talking about today with mass adoption. Um, so realistically speaking, where do you think that we're going from here? Um, do you think that we're going to see more retailers and food retailers and fast food chains like you know follow suit with this, or is this going to be a flash in the pan at least within this current market cycle? I think it's going to be the case study. So if Taco Bell would be the first fast food restaurant chain to accept crypto, um, especially something like Dogecoin, if it has success, I would see all of the rest of these major players begin to follow suit, and it has everything to do with how we perform. I think they're basically just saying like, hey, Q4, we want to see if this was a great choice. If it wasn't, so so, uh, so be it. We'll stop come 2022. But right now, um, I mean, even looking at the price of Doge with it going below, I believe, 20 cents uh, right now, if it can even get back to close to all-time highs, there's opportunity that the money that they make from taking Dogecoin, they'd be able to potentially double or triple their profits if it goes back to all-time highs at the end of the year, which potentially could happen. So again, I think this will be an interesting case study. If they do well, I think we see all types of companies begin to follow suit. Yeah, I think it's going to be really cool to see how it goes. Um, but to me, I think there's one other big piece of news lately. And before we get into it, I'd like to ask you, at least from your perspective, are you buying on this news? Like, would you, If you saw this news, would you be going out and buying more Bitcoin or Dogecoin? Would you be selling this news or would you hodl on this news to see how it develops? So for me, I am buying on this news simply because, again, this is a first break into fast food. And if this works slash when I think it potentially could work, we could see the floodgates open with this. More and more values being proven for Dogecoin. More companies are being accepted and improving its, its useful. Therefore, um, <laughs> as much as it pains me to say this, I, I'm buying this news. How about you? To me, I think that this is somewhere between a hodl and a buy. Um, 
again, this was something that came very much so out of the woodwork. Like it was not something that was well publicized, at least on the front. Because again, right now, the market's trending down. When the market's trending down, people are not paying attention to positive news. Most of the time, like we always say on this show, is that you buy the rumor and you sell the news. That is except for when the news does not leak and we see it come out in real time like with this. So to me, I see it as in between the two. You can kind of take it either way. But I want to shift gears here for one second and move into our next um, piece of news this week by asking you this. Do you believe that with what we're going through right now, it can be considered a form of like psychological warfare? Because from what I see, we have all these institutions that are trying to manipulate the market down so they can get a better buy-in. Do you think that buyers need to be aware of the current state of psychological warfare in crypto? Yes. It, right now is a, you know, if, if again, if you're a trader right now, it's your dream because it's volatile, it's going up, it's going down and it's staying within levels of resistance and level of support, uh, which right now has been between like a, a 45,000 to 40,000 Bitcoin and other coins, et cetera. Um, I think once we finally get that next leg up, whether it's going to break through support or if it's going to break through resistance, that's when I think it's going to get really exciting. So for me, I'm huddling at this moment and, and, and waiting to see where our floor is right now, truly. Okay. So with that being said, I want to go ahead and give you my little piece of proof that right now we're seeing some of the most intense psychological warfare ever. Most of the time, when you go through these cycles and you see people getting really animated on the news and you see people getting really upset on Twitter about manipulation, it's mostly because of bigger players. What they're doing is they're trying to put out FUD so that you can basically shake out the weak hands, have people sell when ultimately they should be holding. This is one of those such uh, situations. Morgan Stanley is one of the biggest investment houses in our country. And over the past week slash month, they have, actually it was over the last quarter still, but they added 58,000 GBTC shares to their um, treasury holdings. So their firm invests in Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, which is effectively them buying into Bitcoin. Them stacking this type of insane stockpile of Bitcoin up is totally counterintuitive to what they're showing you in the markets right now. All of the news is pointing to you and saying, hey, you need to get out because it's not safe. You need to get out because we're going back into the 30s. When in reality, all these big firms are buying at 45. They're buying at 46. They're buying at 50. They want you to leave so they can continue to dollar cost average down so that ultimately when the price starts shooting back up, you get FOMO and you're forced in back, back to buying in at a higher point when you're closer to peak. Um, it's a really unfair way of doing things, but I think that it's really important to stay up to date on this type of news. Um, the other really big piece that I did want to shift over to that I uh, think is just as important is news out of Cardano this past weekend. This past weekend, we had Cardano Summit um, from the 25th to the 26th. And there were three really, really big partnerships that I want to make sure are on your radar. Because if you look at the news, Cardano is getting fudded all over the place. People do not want to see Cardano succeed and the price is being suppressed. This is a perfect case in point. Over the weekend at Cardano Summit, 
IOHK, which is Input Output Hong Kong, or IOG, IO, Input Output Global, released information that they have partnered with Dish Network, Chainlink, and Veritree, all three of which are massive, massive deals. I believe that Dish is a Fortune 200 company. Chainlink is one of the top 15 cryptos and forever will be, in my opinion, because they're the top Oracle out there. And Veritree is a massive sustainability play. So when you see positive news like this, especially because this didn't leak, I think, the, I think the Dish news leaked. But when you see something this big come out and it's not actually affecting price, it's a sign of suppression. It's a sign of more of these Morgan Stanleys, the Goldman Sachses, the JP Morgans. They're intentionally suppressing the price so they can get a better buy-in because news like this, this is the type of stuff that when it comes out with the right type of timing, it should push the market up. So right now, I would tell you that based on what we've seen in the last two days, all this sentiment together is a buy signal to me. It's a massive buy signal. We are right now ending an accumulation phase that I think is going to end right when we see about 46,000 or four. Actually, no, it was 47,500 get breached. If we can break above $47,500 per Bitcoin price, accumulation's done. It's out the door. You're done. Anything below that right now, I'm accumulating because I think that this is what we're going to see happen in the fourth quarter. We're going to see a massive run. Um, Richard, what is your sentiment on all of this? Do you think that we're going to be heading a lot higher in the fourth quarter? Or is this you know, something that you don't necessarily buy into and you think that um, a lot of this price action is just baked in? So I got to first mess with you and say that, of course, that you're bullish on Cardano. Uh, but all the same, that news is being... like Cardano is not giving are being given the credit it should be right now with its successful launch of its smart contracts and all of the partnerships that it has in play. Like the price suppression honestly doesn't make sense, kind of like you're saying, other than I think there's players in that are looking to dollar cost average get a good price in before the fourth quarter run. I also believe that we are in for a pretty big run um, coming in the next um, month or two. Um, I think Q4 could be exceptional. Um, especially with a lot of what's going on in the market right now. I think a lot of things are pointing to a potential pullback before we see our final leg up in this current bull cycle. And unless it turns into a super cycle, whole nother discussion for a whole nother day. But I think what we're seeing right now is a potential final pullback before we see that final true run up that a lot of people are anticipating this year. So I would, you know, I would agree with the sentiment that you kind of painted. Awesome. Well, look, let's go ahead and carry this thing forward. The one thing that I will say is I do come off as a bit of a Cardano maximalist sometimes. And I want to go ahead and make sure I do put one thing out there. A, I am not for maximalism. I think it's the most toxic thing in our um, space. And we should talk about that at a later date. Definitely a conversation for a different crypto decrypted. But I do want to give a criticism of Cardano right now. They did make a massive mistake this past weekend at Cardano Summit. And I want everybody to know it. Because frankly, I do come off as a Cardano maximalist sometimes. And the truth is, is that I want to own both sides of the coin. They made a huge mistake this weekend in not putting enough focus on the projects that are building on their ecosystem. Cardano Summit was a massive, massive event. It was 
in multiple countries, like with actual in-person events. They did virtual summits where they had VR experiences. And yet we're focusing on these new partnerships with Chainlink and Veritree and Dish when they could have just as easily had even like more little breakout moments to highlight things like Charlie 3, like Gira Wallet, like even Card Starter. The massive, you know, Cardano ecosystem supports that have been out there for the last six months. They did very little to actually support those players within their ecosystem. I think that's not constructive. Um, so that's me owning my bias for a second here. But let's go ahead and move into Crypto Decrypted. Um, so again, guys, if you found all of that news valuable, please do us a favor. Make sure you press that like button. Um, but we are headed into Crypto Decrypted now, which is our news segment every week where we bring you a new topic and break it down to brass tacks so that you can understand crypto at a little bit easier of a level. Uh, we always want to make sure that while we're providing a lot of expert knowledge here, that every single person that comes and visits this show and gets to know Richard and I understand that we want beginners to start getting educated on, on a much bigger level so that they can ultimately move forward in the space and be able to be smarter in it. So this week, Richard, we are talking about mass adoption. Mass adoption is a massive, massive topic in this space. It's something we've talked about for the last four years, and we continue to speculate on when it's going to be here. When we say mass adoption, of course, we're talking about the idea of at what point are we going to see the majority of the world utilizing blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies. Today, we're going to break down for you a little bit about where we are in that timeline. We're going to also get into essentially how are we going to get there? What is it need? What's it going to take after we see the past of how we got to where we are now? And we're also going to talk a little bit about once it is here, what does that look like? So Richard, why don't you take us into the innovation curve for a sec? Because um, I think that that's it, looking at the past is always something that we need to be um, owning when it comes to um, innovation in this space. Absolutely. So first, we're going to look at how the um, innovation curve pretty much works. So as we look at this, and it's the innovation adoption life cycle. Um, first, the first 2.5% of the world or majority of people that come into this space are called the innovators. They're the first movers, um, a lot of different people that come in. Then after that, we then creep into the early adopters, which is about 13.5%. Um, then we have early majority, late majority. Um, early majority has about 34%. Late majority has 34%. Laggers have 16%. Now for everyone watching this right now, you'll be able to see on this, this 25 to 13.5%, the innovators to early adopters. Right now, I think we're on the cusp of innovators to early adopters. Now, why do I say that? Now, look at an, at an article real quick with one study suggesting that roughly 25 million of cryptocurrency traders outside the US and Europe, that there's basically 100 million owners of Bitcoin. And then if you take that, that basically means that it's roughly 1.5%. Uh, percent. Now, if you add all the other cryptos out there, I'm going to say it's probably going to be somewhere between 2 and 2.5%. So then that aligns with this curve I was just talking about with innovators and early adopters. So. From a worldwide perspective, most of the world doesn't own cryptocurrency at all, right? So that's one way uh, to look at that. But the other thing that I want to, to point out is that it took a decade 
to get from this 2.5 to this early adopters. So again, Bitcoin, just to do a quick timeline of the history, the white paper was made in 2008, and then the first block was made in 2009. So of course, we're in 2021 right now. Um, the first real payment, Pizza Day, back in 2010, um, May 22, 2010, 10,000 BTC. Again, 10,000 BTC was spent on $25 worth of pizza. Obviously, the guy who did that today is probably kicking himself, but at the time, got value out of spending money to get the Bitcoin. Now, flash forward to a decade later, you um, well, actually, I'm going to skip ahead to 2013. The market cap reached a billion. So it took four years for Bitcoin to get to a billion dollar market cap. It then also took another uh, three years when in 2017, when it hard forked into Bitcoin cash. And then the next year in 2018, uh, the beta release of Lightning Network came out, which allowed for a lot of faster transactions. Now that's again, over the course of 10 years from the white paper to Lightning Network, you fast forward even now to 2021, the amount of technological advances that Bitcoin has seen and just the, the, the greater crypto space has seen is outrageously significant. A couple of things I want to point out. One, when you think about it took four years from the first Genesis block, uh, from Satoshi, uh, the Genesis of the block being mined to the billion dollar um, a billion dollar valuation, there are ICOs that are coming out and raising that much money in a short amount of time. A ungodly amount of time. It's not taking four years to get to a billion dollars. It's taking months. For some years, but some months. And then you look at the ecosystems that are now being built on top of that. You think about a thing like Ethereum from... Uh, you, Looking at base layer protocol, you know, there's only a handful of transactions that go on on Bitcoin's um, layer one protocol. Then Ethereum, you have a, a couple more transactions that ha happen as base layer. Then they made layer two to help speed that transaction. You have something like Solana that has 50,000 transactions a second, more than any actual bank out there right now. That took time to develop. It took innovators, the first to come in and build a lot of great technology, but don't necessarily make it at the end, but they had to go and create these things. These things take time. Now, sorry, this was a long back-end way of describing how do, we, how do we get to mass adoption. The first thing that I want to put in place is that in innovation and being an innovator, it takes time to build things. It takes time to build something so simple that you can understand it. To build an iPhone, that took years of development. Years of development. And it's so easy, anybody can use it. That is what crypto is trying to get to, to where at any point you can pull up your phone and be using crypto without even understanding that you're using crypto and blockchain. And that's what we have to get to. And that's where we're headed. And, and now, Steve, I'm going to kind of punt it to you because I think you have a path of like, how do we start heading that way? Yeah, so there's one thing I wanted to add first. And it's more of a distinguishment point um, for our audience because... Again, we're asking you to zoom out, right? When, you, when we're asking somebody to zoom out, it's not always an easy thing to do. So I want to make sure that you see this because it's not what we're talking about. When we talk about the markets, most of the time, we're talking about the short-term current bull cycle. And that's, that's just true of how this channel operates. It's how we you know, organize a lot of our thoughts. So when we're talking about the way market cycle is adopting... We typically get to this point in the chart here, 
where it starts to turn green. When that's starting to turn green, that is where peak retail adoption is taking place. And this really speaks to market psychology. That bell curve that Richard showed you is not reflected in this chart. It's really important that you understand that because again, what we're talking about here is what is the path to mass adoption, not in this current bull cycle, but on the whole, as we're talking about all of cryptocurrency in the future, past, present, all of it. What's it going to take for us to get to the point where we're at, where we're at mass adoption? So let me take this down. And we can go ahead and carry this thing forward. Richard, the thing that I wanted to get to next in this dialogue is how are we going to get there? And I have a specific perspective on it. I'd be really interested to hear your take. Um, but the easiest way for me to make sense of this to somebody is mass adoption looks like every single person interfacing with blockchain when they don't even know that they are. What does that mean? If you're a tech guy, you get really amped up about, you know, Apple and Tesla and the technologies that they release on an annual basis. With cryptocurrencies, if you're a nerd like me and you, you get really excited about these little projects that come out in the ICO. On the whole, society adopts these things like an iPhone or a Tesla and they don't get talked about often. When that gets to that point with crypto, that's how you know we've reached mass adoption. We need to make it so that our technology is so embedded in people's lives that it's just there. It's part of their daily lives. It's part of the creature comfort that they are now um, appreciating. So all of that is to say, you need to simplify beyond, right? Right now, MetaMask and all the crypto wallets, in certain ways, they're not the easiest to interface with. DeFi is extremely oh. difficult to interface with. And frankly, it scares people. The one place that I will tell you, I think a lot more people are coming into and they're feeling a lot more comfort in it is in the NFT space, ironically. So from your perspective, understanding that simplification is the first step and getting people to this idea of crypto as an embedded lifestyle or like an embedded feature that you just eventually take for granted, for, uh, to be frank, what do you think is going to take it to the next level? How are we going to get there? It's going to be these platforms that turn all the steps to getting ultimately what you want into one platform. So for example, you brought up NFTs and that was an example I was going to use. For a lot of brand new people, like let's say grandma wanted to go buy an NFT for her son. There's no way grandma, unless she had a lot of time and a lot of patience, is going to be able to learn how to first be able to purchase crypto, aka Ethereum, then be able to transfer it into a wallet address, then be able to set up a thing like OpenSea, then understand how to use the interface to be able to buy it, and then once they own it, be able to transfer it and do all those steps. Like It takes a little bit of intuitiveness and, and, and wanting to learn to be able to do those steps. But at the same time, if there was an app that you download called NFT, and on NFT, you go there and you put, I have, I set up my wallet um, or my current bank account. And let's say that I want to buy this NFT that is telling me cost one ETH. 
And so when I go to purchase it, it's going to auto convert my money into that ETH, purchase it. And then it's also, once it's purchased, going to be on a wallet that is also within the platform. And now I own it. And then when I go to send it, all I have to do is press send, get the right wallet address, and now it is sent to the right place. And now anybody can use it. Now, I don't think we're necessarily super far from that, but to have something that simple takes a ton of steps on the back end of that ecosystem, figuring out how to make each of those components cohesive, secure, and easy. And like that, that, that takes years of innovation to be able to do something like that. And again, we're working, the, the greater crypto sphere is working to get there, but we, we're years away from being on a platform that literally will do that start to finish and anybody can pick it up and understand how to do something as complex as getting an NFT is something as simple as that kind of And interface. look, I think that the one other piece of this the cryptocurrent crew needs to hear is that there's a lot of these big words and different buzzwords that from the technological side, we need to see hit before we're truly achieving mass adoption. But from what Richard and I have already brought to you, I think the big thing is really taking form around three words. You have intuitive, simplified, and the third is frictionless. The, that third one is just absolutely imperative for you to understand. And it kind of echoes a point that you've already heard a little bit, but I want to just absolutely nail it on the head. When you are doing something, whether it's on the internet, in person, a task, if you will, those tasks can either be tedious or they can just be something that you do in your sleep. A frictionless task is one that you do without really even thinking about it. And it's just that easy. When I look at mass adoption, especially with where we're headed right now, I see it as I can pay with Bitcoin at any vendor. I can go into a store, buy it, you know, piece of merchandise, and also automatically receive into my wallet on that transaction an NFT that is a proof of certificate. These little things that will eventually start popping up into your life will be the next phase of mass adoption. Now, if I'm being realistic, I think mass, like true mass adoption at its base layer is probably another two market cycles off. Richard, do you agree with that? Or do you think that we are closer to mass adoption than we give it credit for today? It's going to take that much time. I mean, I think the first decade of innovation was all about how do you build a foundation of blockchain and the different systems that are out there? I mean, again, NFTs are relatively new. DeFi is relatively new. The, the idea of a decentralized autonomous organization, brand new. A lot of things that have, have come to fruition, you need the time to be able to build those out to where they can scale. And again, be intuitive, be scalable, be frictionless. And what I think... Next two bull cycles, basically, is when we say bull cycles, we typically go by Bitcoin happening events. That's usually a good indicator of when these are going to be. So by Stephen's indication, that's saying basically 2028. I think we're going to be somewhere in between there. I think we start to truly see it. My two cents, our two Satoshis, is that we start getting closer around late 2026, 
around 2027, I think, right before that next bull cycle is when we really start seeing mass adoption happen because so much can happen in a matter of, we're in 2021 right now, in a matter of five to six years. Yeah, I, I think that you're right. I think that we're going to continue to see a rapid growth phase. But the other piece of this is really interesting because when we're talking about the when of it all, as in like truly when mass adoption, I kind of am reminded of the fact that we've been building, we've been building, we've been building. But as the saying goes, Rome was not built in the day. Nor will, nor will crypto be built in the day because frankly, in the building of Rome, there were many moments where that entire system was burned to the ground. There were wars fought. All of that's coming for crypto. We've spent the last 10 years building and creating and adding to our society. Regulators are going to come in and they're going to burn it to the ground in some ways. So you have to be willing to acknowledge that and own that because it's coming no matter whether or not you you want them to or not, they're coming. So when that comes, certain things are going to be built, like absolutely destroyed, burnt to the ground, and they're going to have to find new ways to bring it back. The other side of that is you're also going to have new projects come along that are going to absolutely outpace the rest of the market and therefore, it's going to make parts of the market obsolete. I say that because I want to bring up to you the thing that I think needs to happen between now and mass adoption. And I think it's going to be an absolute key in the next market cycle, which we'll probably see in 20, like what 2023, 2024 is when we're supposed to see the next one. And that's the wave of interoperability. I think the sooner yes. that we hit these types of, as Charles Hoskinson said like a couple of weeks ago, these Wi-Fi moments where everything is naturally connected and we don't think about it. It's not like, oh, I'm using the Ethereum blockchain. Oh, I'm using the Solana blockchain. Oh, I'm using the Cardano blockchain. The sooner that we get to that point where it's like, oh, I'm just using a blockchain, that is another step in the right direction. So... All of this to say, once we get to this perfect idyllic world, Richard, just to wrap this up, what does it look like when mass adoption is here? What do you what do you envision the market cap to be? What are the top just for shits and gigs? What are the top three coins when we actually hit mass adoption? So there's one more picture I want to paint in everyone's head, just as a final like emphasis in here to show like where this is going and growing. Think about Atari in game, like just how far gaming has come. When Pong came out, literally it was just things, these little bite-sized digits going up and down, doing all that kind of stuff. And the progression from that to um, literally going to your first PlayStation and Xbox to where we are now with like the Xbox whatever and PlayStation 5, the graphics are just like insane, right? But it took years. It took decades to get to the point of where that was that excellent. Right now, I wouldn't say that we're at Atari. I'd say that we're probably at Mario. I'd say that, you know, we're at Nintendo. A lot of stuff's starting to come up. We're not even necessarily at 3D yet. We're kind of at some 2D. We're so early. And so if I'm going to look at in the future when we get closer to mass adoption, which again, in my opinion, I think we can see that in the next, hopefully, uh, six, seven, uh, six, seven years. Uh, what does that look like to me? Um, the top three are going to be 
Bitcoin's still going to be up there. I think Ethereum's going to overtake it. And I think someone's going to come out of the, the woodworks and from a market capitalization, take it over. Solana right now could potentially do it. Otherwise, it's going to be one of these other ecosystem-esque type deals. I think that uh, Cosmos could throw his hat in the ring. I think that potentially Tezos could throw his hat in the ring. But my top three at this moment, had to think about it. Bitcoin, Ethereum, Solana, those are, those are my three. And I think the market cap... In, I think in the next decade, we're looking at a market capitalization of anywhere from 7 to $12 trillion. So I'm going to say we're going to be around... Four to six. I'm, I'm gonna put four point five trillion. Okay, I'm gonna work it backward then because I think that mass adoption will be here when we overtake the total global value of gold markets. Currently, the gold markets like overall values around eleven point one trill. I can see mass adoption happening somewhere between ten and twelve. That's just my take. Yes, I do think that's coming in 2028, 2027, somewhere in there. Um, but do I think that that means that you know we're going to see a similar top three to what we see right now? Don't. I think that what you're going to see happen very, very quickly is Web3 in all of its glory is going to get an absolute shot to the groin. The second that the regulators come in here and they start saying, oh, yeah, no, you know, we need to regulate the crap out of DeFi, which they're already planning, you're going to see Web3 applications and you know, the big like layer one support layer um, players like you know, your Solanas, Ethereum's, Cardano's, they're all going to actually end up losing market cap because DeFi is going to get knocked on its butt. Now, I do think that we could see more layer two solutions come up into the top 10. But I could ultimately see something like Bitcoin at number three, Ethereum at number two or one. But I think that above all else, and this is a really, this is probably my, my one bold call for the decade, if you will. I think that we're going to see Chainlink in the top three. There's so many of these applications that do not function without an oracle. They just don't. They need to pull data in. It's the only way that a smart contract actually executes. Right now, I think Chainlink is one of the most undervalued assets in all of crypto, and it's getting flat and away disrespected in terms of its actual market cap. If people understood how smart contracts worked, they would be piling into Chainlink. And I will raise my hand and say, you know, maybe I'm a little biased, but after doing a huge bit of research of my own, I doubled up my, my chain link holding in the last week. So as I look at the future, I think that oracles like Chainlink have a place in the top three, especially given the fact that I think that we're going to see DeFi get really pushed back here in the next five years. So somewhere between a nine to 12 million trillion dollar market cap is what we'll see when mass adoptions here. And ultimately, we could see Bitcoin, Ethereum, other Web3 players, and even something like Chainlink in the top three based on what Richard and I have already spelled out for you. But look, if you have your own take on this, if you enjoyed this segment of Crypto Decrypted and you want to give us what you think is going to happen in the markets when it comes to mass adoption, how we can get there, what it's going to look like, leave us a note down in the comments. We'd love to hear from you. We want to make sure that we're building this show out to be even more dynamic and fun for everybody involved. 
So please, again, reach out to us. You can always reach us um, at our handles above, at underscore cryptocurrent underscore on Twitter, and at cryptocurrent underscore on Instagram. Um, but you can also get in touch with us by joining our private Telegram channel. So you can reach out to Richard or I to join that, where we basically continue these conversations on a weekly basis with our audience on Telegram. But you can also stay in tune by joining our newsletter over on crypto-current.co, where you'll get the latest news as well as some quick insights from our team. So Richard, we have one last segment this week that we need to get through, and it's always a crowd favorite around here. So why don't we jump into a little blockchain bets? Let's get it. All right. So for those that, again, are new here, blockchain bets segment is where we basically break down two picks per basically market tier. So we're going to have a large cap round where we talk about the top 25 coins, which coin we think is going to perform best over the next week. Then we hit a mid cap round, which is coins 25 through 100. And then finally, we end with a micro cap round, all the coins after 100. So Richard, we let you go most of the time in the first position, but I'm going to take it this week. And I'm going to give you my call, which is Uniswap. So as my large cap player this week, Uniswap is one of the most interesting projects out there when you consider the fact that it is being threatened by the SEC and it's not backing down. Um, it is the biggest primary exchange in all of crypto right now for you to be able to go and exchange assets in a decentralized fashion. And I personally think that Uniswap is massively undervalued right now. When you consider the fact that all these DeFi applications may end up targeted in the next two months, Uniswap is going to be one of the ones that is targeted. But I think over the next week, as people realize, oh man, I got to be moving money around in preparation for having liquidity for the next you know, run up, they're going to be flocking to Uniswap. So that's why I'm going with Uniswap in my first pick. Richard, what right. is your large cap pick this week? Well, great pick. Um, I think that's a very solid one, um, especially where current marketing conditions are. Um, I am going to go with Polygon Matic. So it has been taking a little bit of a beating of late, but it's still doing a really good job building out a really good infrastructure. So again, for those who don't really know, it's Ethereum's Internet of Blockchains. It's a protocol to Ethereum-compatible blockchain networks. So it's helping Ethereum scale. Again, talked about earlier, uh, Ethereum, one of the biggest challenges with Ethereum right now and with gas, if you've had to buy anything, having to spend an absurd, absorbent amount of money uh, to pay for a thing or to, to make something happen in the Ethereum ecosystem, Polygon's helping to do that. And they are continuing to innovate and they even have a, a bug bounty, which is live. So if you're a developer, um, if you can discover a bug and vulnerability in Polygon, they'll give you $2 million right now. So between everything that they have going on, building out and just looking at technical analysis of, of what's going on in the market, I think whenever this market does recover, Polygon is going to be one of the ones that shoots up. And I think that Polygon is due for a big leg up. So that's going to be my pick. That's a really good pick. I mean, I've started to come more onto the Polygon train in recent months, um, but it's only after I got a lot more in tune and done, like actually doing more research on what their roadmap looks like. Again, everybody, I want to reinforce something to you real quick. These are our picks because again, we are crypto commentators. We are not financial analysts. None of Correct. this is financial advice. This is just if... You know, we're going on our own money right now, what we would put our money into in the next week. 
these are our picks for it. So moving into the mid-cap round, I'm going to continue to follow the same exact trend that I brought you on Uniswap, and that is by moving to the, the Cosmos ecosystem to Osmosis, which is the uh, Cosmos eco ecosystem's exchange. So essentially, in the Cosmos ecosystem, which is basically Ethereum, but interoperable, they are building out a transfer pr protocol called Osmosis, where you can start to exchange things cross decks, but also um, basically create one hub where you can exchange assets in that ecosystem. So because I still stand by my theory with Uniswap that I think that a lot of people are going to try and move liquidity out of certain places and then position themselves to then move into others on the next leg up, I think Cos Cosmos and that whole world are po absolutely posed for like a massive breakout and Osmosis will go with it if that is the case. So Richard, you've gotten your next pick in the mid cap. What do you have? So my... And First, again, another solid pick. I'm going to go with EOS. EOS. It's another platform. Um, you can see a theme of what I'm going for today, which is platforms. When markets go down, I think some of the largest... This is personal opinion. I think some of the biggest opportunities are in platforms and ecosystems that are being created. Um, EOS has been around for a while. Um, they are all about state of blockchain privacy. And what they want to do is continue to create a safe, compliant, and predictable digital infrastructures. And so a lot of projects are beginning to be, are continuing to be built on top of EOS and trying to be, you know, in competition with the lights of like a Cosmos, a DOT, an Ethereum, et cetera. And speed is speed and, and security are one of the, are two of the biggest things that they have going for them. Again, going back to fundamentals, another one that's being pummeled a lot and I think is another one that could be accumulated during this down run. I think EOS has a huge, huge opportunity to still have a massive return by the end of the year. So in this next week, I think it could be a good play and I'm going with EOS. So again, I think that you're starting to see these trends here, folks. You're, you're getting that, you know, Richard has his eye on the platforms. I have my eye on the exchanges. But for my micro cap play, I'm taking an absolute abrupt left turn. And I'm going to bring it up on screen. I'm going to hopefully be able to show you exactly why I am doing what I'm doing with this pick. My pick this week for my micro cap is going to be Superfarm. Superfarm, for those that don't know, is an NFT ecosystem play um, that is led by one of the biggest you know, YouTube forces out there in Elio Trades, um, a YouTuber by the name of Elliot Weinman off air. Um, he runs this project called Superfarm, and it is a massive NFT gaming and NFT launchpad conglomerate at this stage of the game. But if you look at the chart, you're looking at the 180 day right now. Let's go back out to Max. It had a massive pump in the first month and a half of being on the market, and that was back in March of this year. Since then, it got clobbered, and it was starting to you know, make its little return here as we you know, pop back up in late August, early September, made its way back up to a dollar from about 30 cent floor. 30 cents was actually where that ICO started. And I got to tell you, based on everything I know about Elliot Wyman and the way that he builds teams, I have a lot of faith in Superfarm, whether it's this week or the rest of this cycle. But because I see us on a downtrend right now, and because I think that by the end of this next leg down, we could see it return to somewhere between 
35 and 45 cents per coin, per token. I see this as a massive opportunity because it will end up retesting that high at some point, at least in the next three months, for my opinion. Um, that would be a recovery from being down already about 88% in this current cycle. So if you consider where gaming is headed, I think that's why Super is a great play. Um, Richard, what do you have for your microcap this week? On the subject of gaming, another word that we like to say a lot on here, NFTs, uh, there's another project that recently just came out called DeFi 11. Um, they're really interesting in the space where they're both on Polygon and Ethereum. And what they're trying to do is uh, reimagine the blockchain gaming experience. And the way that they're doing that is going to allow like fantasy sports betting, NFT gaming, and a bunch of others. And it's going to be... Again, they're early in their process, but what they're trying to bring is pretty unique. Um, and they have a pretty solid team behind them to help make that a reality. So, uh, so far, um, it's off to a pretty solid start. I think it has an opportunity to continue to have another great week in front of it. And so I'm going to go with DeFi 11. Awesome. So Richard, if you could go ahead and recap for us, what, what, are, what were our calls this week? So as a recap... Um, Steven went with Uniswap for or for the large cap. Steven went with Uniswap. I went with Polygon Matic. For the mid cap, Steve went with Osmosis. I went with EOS. And for the micro cap, Steven went with Superfarm. And I went with DeFi 11. Awesome. So guys, that wraps up blockchain bets for us this week. Uh, we again appreciate you being here. Let us know if you had a, a specific favorite call in the comments below. Um, before we wrap things up this week, I want to remind everybody we've got a couple of really exciting things going on in the crypto ecosystem um, over the course of the next few days as we look towards Friday with our normal Friday uh, scheduled programming. So first and foremost, if you have not checked out Richard's um, interviews that he does here on Cryptocurrent on Mondays and Thursdays, we just dropped an episode with Idan Yago from Sovereign talking about Bitcoin lending. And then on Thursday, we also have another interview coming up with the lead over at Rubix. Um, both are going to be really great interviews. Richard, can you tease any of it right now? Um, so there are quite a few things that came up in the last week that I think is going to be pretty tremendous. And one of them being that as I spoke with um, one of the speakers that are, are coming on the show in the, in the future, one of the things that keeps being brought up is the concept around NFTs and being able to go into some of these in-person events. And one that's coming up near us in Texas, um, Stephen actually put on my horizon. I was like, hey, man, like that might be something worth going and, and checking out. And I think he actually might be able to attend. So do you want to kind of talk about that a little bit? Um, are, are you referring to the show out in Marfa? Yes. So one of the biggest NFT projects out there and when it comes to just strictly NFT art is um, Artblocks. So Artblocks has a whole bunch of generative art projects that they bring onto their platform and they open up the general public. And as time goes on, um, you know, and as they have gone on, I think they're now into their fifth series starting next week. But in line with that fifth series launch, they're also going to be opening their very first ever um, in-person studio, which they're calling the Artblocks House. And that's taking place in Marfa, Texas on the 8th... Wait a second. Yeah, the 8th, 9th, and 10th of October. 
So pretty big event there. We're going to be bringing you exclusive editorial coverage on that, as well as bring you some additional interviews with their artists in the time just following that. Um, other really big events going on in the crypto space this upcoming week, we have the, a couple of really big launches that are scheduled for September 30th. Cody is launching their smart contracts platform. Thorchain is upgrading their mainnet. And as I brought up on Friday, what may end up being the biggest individual upgrade, like only excluding Alonzo within the Cardano ecosystem because I'm totally biased, is um, the Columbus 5 upgrade within Terra. Um, again, go back and listen to our Friday episode, play it back. We talked about it a little bit at the end, um, but Columbus 5 is going to be an absolute game changer within the Terra ecosystem. So. Keep your eyes on the horizon for that. It's also a really good reason to be looking into some of these coins. If the market does dip, um, make them really solid buys. But also, I'm reminded that our producer, Chris, is also going to be launching his own short-form educational content series that will be dropping on Wednesdays um, going forward. So if you want to learn a little bit about, about smart contracts, you will ha have a special short-form episode for you tomorrow here on CryptoCurrent. So come on up to our YouTube channel. Give that a look. Um, it's going to be a great, great episode. But that's going to do it for us this week. Um, Richard, any final words or announcements that I'm missing? I think we covered them all. Uh, final things, just to remember to stay. Cryptocurrent. Appreciate everybody. Later, guys. Have a great week. Hey, Cryptocurrent crew. We want to give a quick shout out to all of our faithful listeners out there. It's been an amazing journey, and we really appreciate your support throughout the years as we've been growing as a community. Each episode, we decided that we would start sharing some of the reviews that you were leaving for us. For today, we would like to share this review. Today's review comes from A. Bryant 41. You can tell that Richard has a passion for connecting the unknown to the listener. He makes crypto a lot easier to comprehend. It's one thing to know what crypto is, but to understand is what the podcast has helped me to do. Love it. We sincerely appreciate this review and all reviews and would like to ask that if you're enjoying our show, please take a quick moment to go and leave a review on our podcast so that hopefully we can be highlighting your review next. Simply go to our show notes or go to our website where we have a link where you can share your review today. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information on today's episode and all of our episodes, please visit us at www.crypto-current.co. You can also find a link in the show notes. Want to stay up to date in the latest news in cryptocurrency? Sign up for our newsletter today. You'll receive daily emails Monday through Friday that are personalized and curated content specific to you and your interest, powered by artificial intelligence. You can either go to our show notes or go to our website to sign up today. Are you an accredited investor looking to invest in cryptocurrency? Crescent City Capital can help. Go to crescentcitycapital.com for more information. I don't know if you've noticed, but the quality of our podcast each week are improving. I can only thank my amazing producer, Andrew DeRitter with DeRitter Productions, who has been putting all of this together. If you have any podcast, music, or audio needs, please go to DeRitterProductions.com. That's D-E-R-I-T-T-E-R Productions.com. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Cryptocurrent with Richard Carthon. We'll be back with more exciting developments from the world of blockchain and cryptocurrency next week. But until then, stay cryptocurrent.
Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cryptocurrent. Just one quick reminder. Cryptocurrent is a cryptocurrency and blockchain education platform that's bridging the gap between the curious newcomers who are just discovering the space and the thought leaders who are shaping its future. All opinions expressed by Richard Carthon, the Cryptocurrent team, and their guests on this show are exclusively their own opinions. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Richard, the team, and their guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow his financial advice. This show and any other Cryptocurrent production is exclusively for informational purposes.